0: Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Culture Club. Money FM eighty nine point three. Good afternoon. It is drive time with Elliot Danker, Timothy Go, and Chua Tian Tian. Time now for a culture club. And today the question is: What is your personal favorite gemstone? Why don't I ask the lady Tian Tian? Do you have a personal favorite gemstone? It used to be. Is it called the moonstone? Moonstone. Yeah. Okay. Personally, emerald. Oh, why? Green. Well, I like the color. There's and, this thing about the the month which you're born yes, in versus yes, the gens, right? Yeah, I think it was... Yeah. Was this Sophia for me? I can't remember. Okay, okay. I like the colour and probably watch yeah. too much uh, Crazy Rich Asians, so... <laughs> There you go. Uh, But have you ever heard of the Burmese ruby? It is one of the rarest and most treasured ruby gemstones mined from Myanmar. Now, while most rubies range from dark pink to a glowing red, the Burmese ruby is in particular a bit of a pigeon red color, a blood red color that is. So so it makes it one of a kind. Now, it is rooted from corundum mineral. It's a high saturation of coromium, which is what gives the Burmese ruby its deep red color it's gorgeous but believe it or not it's expected to be extinct soon so can a gemstone like this perhaps be created in a lab and what does that do where its value or investment power is concerned well on the line with me right now is danilo zianoni who is founder and creative director for art oro Uh, danilo good afternoon how
1: are you I'm good. How are you? Very good. Thank you for having me. I'm on the other other side of the world. I'm in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So I hope the line is good. Yeah, we're all
0: good, especially when we're talking about jewelry right now. Tell me a little bit about your company. I understand you've got, what, 40 years of fine jewelry making experience?
1: Yeah, it sounds old, eh? Uh, Yes, we are a a boutique company. It was founded in Singapore in 2017. And we are specializing in bespoke jewelry and uh, sourcing of rare stones. So we service our clients by advising them and finding unique opportunities in the market and presenting to them. And then uh, after they agree on uh, pockets on the stone, we move on with the designing and uh, bespoke of the jewelry for them. Mm.
0: So, I mean, you're talking about design. I'm curious, uh, what is the most expensive design that you guys have come up with?
1: We are actually in this moment working for um, a Middle East uh, client for the acquisition of a pink diamond. Wow. About 50 million US dollars. Wow, that's amazing.
0: So, I mean, let's talk about the importance of gemstone expertise when it comes to jewelry designing. I mean, does it, for you, did you have to increase your knowledge in choosing the right gemstones over the years? Does that really just come with experience or, or is this something that you can study?
1: I think at the beginning, of course, you have to study the basic. Uh, you need to have a sort of degree of understanding of GIA or um, different labs, uh, different uh, education systems. But I guess the experience and looking at thousands and thousands and thousands of them every year, it makes you refine your own test. It's a little bit like food testing or wine testing. Uh, the more you try and the more you are palate you will appreciate, right? Yeah. For gem, it's the same thing. Your eye will get used to understand what is the hue of the color, what is the shade of the color, and if there is any window or any any imperfection. So the more practice, the better the result is.
0: Mm. So we're going to talk about uh, real gems versus lab-grown gems. Before we get into the differences, I'm curious, are you able to tell with the naked eye which is real and which is from the
1: lab? For diamond, it's, basically impossible to uh, distinguish at and make the eyes for gems uh, there are a few tricks that um, you can have in those leaves that make you understand uh, but i guess nature has a very very difficult way to be copied so yeah. most copy of uh, color gems are not very nice and the uh, difference of the diamond diamond is easier to be copied Mm.
0: so tell us a little bit about lab grown gems then how do these come about how long does it take to
1: grow them in that sense i mean for diamonds basically you need a diamond to grow a diamond that's okay. the, the the most uh, the basic better result okay. so you put the diamond of a certain dimension and then uh, it goes through a process and it grows and then you can do this of uh, time but the point is, will you really want to buy something that is man-made versus something that is natural? That's the, the question. I guess uh, from an eye of an investor or a collector, nobody will ever buy a lab-grown stone. Uh, there is a reason, because nature has uh, small defects or gives small shades of differences between one stone and two other, another one, while all the stone made in lab, they will exactly look the same. So. Mm. I don't think there is, never have any of my clients ask me for a lab grown diamond or lab grown gem. Mm, I
0: like how, for example, my favorite uh, being the emerald, there are some characteristics to it. You know, apart if it's cheap, then of course that kind of loses the beauty, but there are little fine green lines on the inside. What is the difference in terms of value? A real gem versus a lab grown gem? How big a difference
1: is it? So, for example, for diamonds, you're talking about a, a lab-grown diamond is about uh, 40 to 50 percent cheaper than, wow. than a real diamond. Okay. But when you talk about price, so let's say if you can buy a real one for twenty thousand dollars, mm. will you spend ten thousand dollars to buy a, buy a fake one? And then the second question is, when you want to resell it, mm-hmm. will the market accept a fake diamond versus a real diamond? So that's that's. That's always the question that you should be asking yourself when you're considering this type of thing.
0: Mm, It comes down to your agenda when, when you're buying it, right? If it's for an heirloom or perhaps if you're looking as a collector, perhaps the real one is more valuable in that sense. Now, talking about the Burmese ruby earlier on, right? Um, that looks like it's going to be extinct soon. What are we looking at right now? I mean, can these still be be mined out? Are there, I don't know, is there any ethical dynamic dile- Surrounding this particular gem
1: Yeah so in this moment There is an embargo in Myanmar okay. It means we are not allowed to acquire Anything from coming out from Myanmar So we are working on A second hand market It means we have a knowledge of uh, Which um, supplier or which Wall seller or private clients Already have uh, Ruby in their head And to make sell Or we put it in the market for A profit or whatever and Ruby has uh, been in the past Five, six years, uh, probably the most uh, uh, requested hot stone in the market and probably the most expensive one. Uh, we recently worked with one of our clients in Taiwan for uh, a resale of one of the ruby, and we were looking at something like $1.5 million a carat for wow. a 10-carat stone. Uh, so can you imagine? But it's a flawless stone. It's like a collection Items is uh, perfectly clear. uh, crystal. It's a pigeon blog with uh, four different certificates. And uh, white face, big spread, no window. It is is a a wonder of nature. It is. For sure.
0: I like how you say it's a wonder of nature. And when we use such words to describe such a beautiful uh, gem, right, is it still possible with regard to the Burmese ruby that that can be lab-grown? I know earlier on you said, a diamond needs a diamond to be lab-grown. Is it the same situation?
1: But in the past, the were fakes of... So there are uh, uh, reconstructed emeralds, for example. So you take a, an emerald, uh, you crush it, and then you pressurize, and you put it back together. It becomes basically a, a crystal made by emerald. But mm. of course, when you send to a lab to certify, they will tell you it's, it's a reconstructed, uh, regenerated emerald. It's not mm. a real emerald, so... There is no imperfection inside, there is no inclusion. The color is synthetic because it's nothing to do with the natural one. For ruby as well there were a few fakes in the market in the past but now are easily I mean, you just need a look to, to take a look inside and you will understand that it's not a real ruby and whatever. So we don't we don't see much in the market. It's not uh, very common to, to find and I guess there is not much demand for it because it's such a rare stone, and whoever wants to buy it, for sure they want to buy a real one. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, if I owned one, I would never let anyone know. It will be my secret. It's beautiful. Uh, Danilo, I want to talk about how Arta Oro is planning to launch its first ever jewelry collection, NFT. What's the value proposition here?
1: Uh, So, as an artist, I guess I work most of my life to express uh, third-party feelings and emotions and uh, ideas so we meet clients they tell us what they like uh, and we understand a little bit about their personality and then we design something around them so the piece of jewelry becomes an extension of their personality and their beauty and whatever but I think I'm in an age when I want to spread a little bit of myself I now I'm two small kids I have a beautiful wife uh, and I want to like the, the want to see my, my art and my own creation so uh, one of the first ideas that I have with um, a friend of mine who's a very famous uh, crypto and uh, metaverse guy uh, was to create something that could be NFT from the moment of the idea itself, so from the design until the finished piece. And and we like the idea because uh, and it, it creates a sort of record and, uh, and footprint of the, the piece that you make. They will last forever, basically, once we have done that. It will be recorded and it will be stored, and uh, and everyone can see it if the owner allows it to. And it will become a sort of work of art. And we like the idea to present it uh, for the first time because we think it's probably one of the future of the jewelry. Why not? I mean, everyone loves to shop online. Everyone loves to buy their own tickets. And I mean, I travel around the world with my phone, and I it's amazing. I, you can buy your tickets for the next flight, your uh, hotel booking. Uh, And why not? We buy our watches and we buy our clothes and now we start to buy our jewelry. I think our reputation in the market uh, is very solid, so people will trust us on this. And it's exciting. And I look forward to finish the first few pieces and launch it probably uh, in the second part of the year.
0: Yeah, it should be quite interesting to see how this takes off, uh, especially in the uh, metaverse. Uh, The value, though, um, it would be the same as like in the real world, right?
1: Ah, yes, exactly. So it is something, uh, one of the pieces by by chance has ruby inside. Mm. And um, and yes, it will be quoted and uh, priced uh, in the real world and the owner will buy all the artwork and the design and the 3D of it, but also he will uh, acquire the real piece. So he will own both the NFT,
0: and the real piece. That is going to be exciting. Look forward to when that launches and uh, we'll read news about it especially. I've been speaking with Danilo Giannoni, who is founder and creative director for Art Oro. Danilo, appreciate your time today. Take care and
1: have a great Tuesday evening. Thank you. Look forward to see you again. And thank you for having me.
0: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.